Issue 37 of The Blizzard is out now. Our latest edition features an exclusive interview with the disgraced former FIFA president, Sepp Blatter, Mark Sanderson on the brief glory of Matt Letizia's favourite teammate, Ronnie Eakland, and Tim Walters questions football's environmental impact. All of this and lots more is available for just £12 or subscribe today for just £20 a year. From the pages of the Blizzard, the Football Quarterly, a look through the archives where we bring you some of our favourite articles that have appeared in the magazine since we first began in 2011. In episode 133, we feature The Science of the Red Mist by Ben Welsh, first published in the score Red in August 2020. Marco Matarapsi grabs Zinedine Zidane around the chest as another hopeful cross is repelled by Italy's rear guard. The France captain, drenched in sweat, turns back towards the defender, and the pair exchange words. I prefer the whore that is your sister, says Inter's master of the dark arts. Zidane slams on the brakes, plants his right foot forward, dips his head like a ball preparing to charge, and tries to put a hole through the Italian's chest with the full force of his shaven skull. There's a moment of confusion as ball-watching fans try to figure out what's happening. You can't excuse that, exclaims the BBC commentator John Motson. Horacio Elizondo consults his assistants before showing Zidane the red card. One of the greatest footballers of all time trudges off the pitch, unwrapping the tape around his wrists as he walks past the World Cup trophy and into retirement. France went on to lose the 2006 World Cup final and penalties, and the player of the tournament can't escape the blame. This was meant to be the 34-year-old's poetic goodbye, a beautiful climax to a magnificent career, but instead it ended in a shroud of red mist. Rage consumed his brain and erased the iconic performances he delivered in the knockout stages. Zidane knew what was at stake. As an elite player accustomed to devious opponents and malicious fans, he would have had similar insults thrown at him across a 17-year career. So what was it about this moment that made him snap? Why did he sabotage his own glorious send-off? What came over him in the split second before he lashed out? The headbutt was on the biggest stage, prompting rooms of analysis. But this kind of emotional detonation isn't exclusive to the elite, where fans and pressure can incite acts of violence. Players all the way down to grassroots level go berserk when subjected to enough stress. Then, once the waters have calmed, hindsight brings them feelings of regret and introspection, knowing that their rush of blood cost the team. So why is it difficult to suppress these murderous thoughts when the consequences outweigh the benefits? What bypasses the brain's handbrake and slams down on the accelerator in these moments of madness? You don't have to spend too long consuming sports-related content to find an athlete, journalist or commentator using the phrase red mist. It's the go-to term for describing a fit of rage. The dictionary defines it as a feeling of extreme anger that clouds one's judgment temporarily, basically turning into the Incredible Hulk minus the green skin and tight purple shorts, before shrinking back into human form following a destructive rampage. Use of this phrase dates back to the 19th century and could stem from our ancestors, say researchers at the North Dakota State University. 
In a 2012 study, they found that angry people are more likely to see red in a series of images that were neither wholly red nor wholly blue. To explain this connection, scientists point to hunter-gatherers linking the colours of danger, avoiding red-coloured plants and animals. They also reference facial flushing and how it can turn an aggrieved person's face red. Had our ancestors caught sight of the former West Brom defender Paul Robinson charging towards them, they would have run back towards the saber-toothed tiger prowling in the bush. Robinson was sent off five times during a 22-year playing career. Bereft of pace, the 38-year-old fullback used aggression and mind games to level the playing field against tricky wingers. I'd say I was like Rooney or Keane. I needed to be pumped up to be at my maximum, he said. There's no mates during 90 minutes. I would try and intimidate the wingers I was up against with a tackle or a snidey one off the ball where I'd leave a little bit on them and just laugh at them or say things in their ear as they are walking past. While Robinson admits to walking a disciplinary tightrope, he insists he never set out to hurt anyone and believes he was singled out by referees who had a preconceived misconception of him. I was in control of my passion, but referees would use me as a target because they knew what I was like as a player, he said. I knew they were going to book me after my first tackle rather than talk to me. I've been sent off for bad tackles that hurt players, but that was never intentional. It was just aggression and frustration. Sometimes I could feel my body temperature rising. I watch myself back and think, why don't you just walk away, you idiot? I immediately felt frustrated with myself for letting the team and fans down. Experience as a captain and now as Birmingham City's under-18s coach has helped Robinson to mellow as he tries to teach the next generation the importance of managing their emotions. Admitting he wanted to put a pacey tormentor into row Z sends out the wrong message. But most of us have had those thoughts at one time or another on the pitch. However, Robinson is happy to cite one instance that pushed him over the edge, and it wasn't triggered by an opponent. During the 2013-14 campaign, Birmingham hosted promotion chasing Burnley at St Andrews in the Championship. The home side were 19th, with their toes dipped in the relegation quicksand. The score was 1-1 when referee James Linnington awarded Burnley a free kick following a foul by Robinson. Kieran Trippier whipped across to the back post where Michael Duff rose to send a brilliant header into the net. Robinson claims Linnington mocks him as they ran back to restart the game. He said something to the player, Duff, that suggested he was happy that they scored because we deserve to concede, he recalls. I was raging. It was a soft free kick to give away but I didn't like his chirpiness towards Burnley. I lost my head for about two or three minutes. He rubbed my nose in it, and five and six of our players surrounded him. I ended up getting booked, but I was lucky I didn't get sent off. I just snapped. I thought, oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. We're fighting for our lives, and you're doing things like this. I'd lost all interest in the game. I just wanted to get into it with the referee. We were a big club near the bottom and we felt everything was against us. When you're in a niggly game like that, when there's a lot at stake, the fans impact the tension of the game. They get you pumped up. Thankfully, we came back and ended up drawing the game 3-0. The clash with Lillington was the tipping point, but Robinson's recollection reveals a number of forces that edged him that little bit closer to eruption. This is important. 
when understanding what exactly happens when the red mist descends. It's not a headhunt, like Roy Keane's attack on Alf Inga Haaland in 2001, or an overzealous tackle from a player urged on by the crowd. It's an explosive switch from calm to crazy, fueled by a set of antagonising circumstances. In Robinson's case, he references the pressure of a relegation battle, the persecution complex of a big club and a poor run of form, the niggly nature of the game, and the frustration of conceding a free kick that led to a goal. Birmingham's captain was in a state of hypervigilance. Then Lillington's alleged comment finally overwhelmed his brain and set off an emergency response. This is what the psychologist Daniel Goleman termed an amygdala hijack in his book Emotional Intelligence. In this situation, the amygdala, the part of the brain responsible for emotion, pumps stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol into your system. This is when the brain decides to shut down the neural pathway to our prefrontal cortex, so we lose our ability to think logically. Any learned behaviours that have helped us deal with stress previously hide in the depths of our internal hard drive. Heart rate cranks up, sweat starts to seep through our pores, we're in prehistoric survival mode. We assume all behaviour is conscious, but being overwhelmed and acting on it is not conscious. It's too fast. Players are in survival mode. They are unable to consider the consequences, explained Dr John Sullivan, a clinical sports psychologist who has worked with a number of Premier League clubs and the US military. You're taking in sensory information, sight, sound, tactile stimulation, invasion of personal space, and the brain starts to build up to a breaking point. Once a line is crossed, the individual has one of three reactions. Fight, flight, or shut down. When players see the red mist, they choose to fight. They lose all sense of perspective, zeroing in on the person or incident that sparks this perceived injustice. Overriding an amygdala hijack and returning a player's fractured psyche from a mindless, destructive force to a cool, calm, collective member of the team requires specialised training. For instance, Dr Sullivan challenges athletes to control their breathing like a sniper in environments that mimic conflict. When we get our breath rate under six breaths per minute, the brain gets really calm and we're much more in the management state of being able to see, feel and do. Said the author of The Brain Always Wins. Snipers and biathletes shoot between heartbeats. They know how to detect this feeling and act on it. When I work with younger athletes, I get them to play video games with their siblings. They'll get frustrated. Their siblings will roll them up. And then they'll practice bringing their breath rate down. Now, transfer that into gameplay. Get to the point where it's subconscious. The elite performance psychologist Tom Bates, who works with Team GB athletes and Premier League footballers, asks his clients to relive the moment and visualise a more constructive response. We do pause and play sessions. We watch the incident right up to the moment before they lose their head. And I'll pause the video and ask them, what was going through your head right there and then, he explained. They usually say things like, couldn't care less if we lost, I just want to kill them. And I ask them to explain the consequences of this action. Once they admit it's negative, we go through the internal self-talk before the next game, visualising moments of conflict and overcoming the situation. I get them in that frustrated state because neurologically they are forming the capacity to overcome it when it really happens.
I've had a player write passion, energy, control on his hand that he would breathe during breaks in play to keep him emotionally stable. You can also train the coach to look for signs that the player is starting to get heated and then they can give them a signal to play hard, but fair for the next five minutes. This resets their focus and gives them a window of opportunity to regain control. The red mist is an outburst, a release of energy that usually results in action that has negative consequences. But anger should not be demonised. It's a perfectly normal human emotion that has evolved over millions of years into a protective mechanism hardwired into the nervous system. Rather than suppress it, footballers should learn to channel it. Anger is not a bad emotion. You just need to show people how to use it, said Sullivan. It's a really important emotion for teaching us what we believe in, where our boundaries are, and how we want to be treated. You wouldn't want angry surgeons, fighter pilots or snipers, but we keep telling people this is the emotion we want in sport. Aggression is only effective if you know how to use it. Tribal, combative, emotional. Football by its very nature is an expression of war. Hostilities between rival clubs generate a sensory overload that works its combatants up into a frenzy. Those who manage their emotions most effectively triumph. But even those who have won a World Cup and Ballon d'Or can be consumed by the red mist. And when someone calls your sister a whore, a headbutt seems like the best course of action. The greats like Zidane are the greats because they don't allow antagonism to distract them, said Bates. And at the highest level it's constant. Fans, media, coaches, opposition. But players are human beings. And everyone has a limit. If you enjoyed this, then make sure you subscribe and give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. Also, follow us on Twitter at Blizzard. That's at B-L-Z-Z-R-D. That's the best place to keep up to date with all things Blizzard between each issue. Thanks for listening and farewell. Issue 4 of The Score is available to read online now. Themed red and still providing additional support to football's freelance community, this edition features an exclusive interview with Ruben de la Red, an analysis of Sergio Ramos and the artistry behind a red card, and the Premier League's history is traced by some of its most notorious moments. To read all of this and more, which is the recommended £3, head to the relevant link in the podcast description.